When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. This episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast is brought to you by a generous donation from Dallin Error, Claude Lacroix, Peter Walker, Nathan Olson, and Sean Brown. Thank you for your continued support. Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. Pod, on, on the air. The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. On the air. Pod, pod, podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen. I've been listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast. 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 The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 433 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading and listening. This show is all about you, the listener. Feedback that we've had, some uh, voicemails that we had, we'll play some of those and comment. Uh, some questions that were mailed in that we haven't gotten to in a while. We're going to hit them in this them. issue. Uh, last week, uh, let's see. Oh, let, let's take a listen to this one, Rodrigo. This is a uh, caller from uh, uh, Canada. Asking about some Magic the Gathering simulator. So let's uh, take a listen to this. Hey, Major Spoilers. It's Russ Cap from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, Colin. Um, I just wanted to call and wish you guys a happy Independence Day. Um, and also, I have a question for Rodrigo. Uh, I was talking to some friends of mine who have recently got back into Magic, and they mentioned a program on the Internet called Cockatrice. It's uh, apparently German, uh, some sort of Magic the Gathering simulator. And I was wondering if you had heard of it or had used it before or what you think about it. Um, anyways, have a happy July 4th, guys, and thanks for everything. Bye. Okay. So, Rodrigo, what is going on with the Cockatrice? Right. Cockatrice, I've heard of it. I haven't uh, investigated it, but I believe... It's something that not only allows you to input current magic cards in, but also potentially allows you to input fake magic cards in or whatever magic cards you want. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a, I think one of the things that it does is it allows people who want to design their own magic cards to play them. So, uh, you know, I, I have not looked into it at all. This is, this is just kind of what I've, what the buzz about it that I've heard. But it, you know, it sounds pretty interesting. I haven't gotten into it, but I would certainly be willing to check it out. Should probably put that in my list of things to do. Of the many, many things yes. that you need to do. Right right below laundry. You know, last week, uh, a couple of episodes ago, two episodes ago, we were talking about Plague, Inc. Mm -hmm. And there are a number of people who have commented afterwards. A lot of people who uh, went and checked out the game. Matthew, did you go check out the game? Did you go check out Plague, Inc.? Oh, I was busy this week. Oh, okay. Um, so some people liked it. Some people didn't like it, uh, the game. And, of course, uh, the creator of the game uh, listened to the episode, thought we made some good points, mm -hmm. and uh, even laughed a time or two. So uh, some good discussions nice. all the way around. That's all we can really ask for. 
here are a couple of more comments about uh, Plague Inc. and maybe some alternative games that we should check out as well. Or some alternate games, I should say. Hey guys, it's Blue Yonder here again. I didn't expect to call twice in one week, but I really enjoyed your conversation on Plague Inc. And the new game that it reminded me of is there's actually a level in the second Modern Warfare uh, Call of Duty game called No Russian, which is so controversial that it actually gives you the option to opt out of playing the level in the side of the game. And in this uh, game, in this part of the game, you play a uh, undercover special forces member trying to infiltrate a uh, Russian terrorist group. And the whole level is just you walking into an airport with these terrorists opening fire on civilians. There's, for like half the level, there's no opposition. You're just gunning down civilians at an airport by the dozens. And uh, if you try, since you're undercover, if you try to shoot one of your uh, terrorists, the mission is over. And it gets better or worse. Uh, at the end of the uh, level, after all this horror, uh, the terrorist leader shoots you in the head because you know you're undercover all the time, and uh, your death starts World War III. So that really made me question uh, violence in video games, and if just is it is it really entertaining or really even worth it? Uh, but on the flip side, especially with Plague Inc. Uh, it kind of reminds me of uh, World of Warcraft had a glitch in it sometime which made uh, a plague level uh, spread throughout the game. And I know that there were there were studies being done on this glitch from uh, infectious disease experts uh, looking at how, you know, a plagues and pandemics affect people in real life based on their actions in a virtual setting. So I think the good side of this is I'm sure right now there are probably people at the CDC playing uh, Play Geek on their tablets and stuff. So I'm sure that this provides an avenue for people to research and play and you know plug up those what if scenarios. So that's all I had to say. Hopefully I won't call too much earlier. Uh, talk to you later. Bye. What's going on, Major Spoilers? This is Bill from South Carolina. I had a couple of things I wanted to talk about, but first I wanted to chime in on the uh, discussion y'all had recently about a game called Plague, Inc. Uh, I heard y'all talking about it, and I was curious, so I plunked down my 99 cents and got the download. I played it, and I created a, created a disease called Ex-Wife. It took out... 98% of the population took out everything but New Guinea. Um, I got to admit, it was a little shocking. But um, then I spent a few hours shopping at my local Walmart and decided a life-threatening plague wasn't so bad. Went back and the game got a lot more enjoyable. But really, honestly, um, I don't think I had the concern you did, mainly because it was a map and it was graphs and it was statistics, and a guy like, like say, Stephen, he studies all that, and numbers and graphs and maps, they translate into specific real things. With me, numbers are just numbers. Now, games like Grand Theft Auto and 
Call of Duty and stuff like that, where you're actually doing violence on, on another, you're actually looking at another person, or like Grand Theft Auto, where you're like killing police officers or stuff like that, and it's like a one-on-one, it's an actual person you can see. Yeah, that stuff kind of disturbs me, but this game, I don't know. I mean, it, it kind of shocked me. I think the worst thing that shocked me about it was if you start in a poor country, how much damage is actually done before somebody notices. Um, but that was really the worst of it. All in all, I, I thought it was a pretty good game. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is thanks for turning me on to Doctor Who. I hear a lot of Doctor Who references on your show, and thanks to Netflix, they started showing it, and I can catch up. I started with the ninth Doctor, and I'm working forward, but I was wondering which one is y'all's favorite Doctor and why, since I can get them now. Anyway, that's my two cents. Until next time, make my major spoilers. Okay, so uh, Bill, uh, after his discussion about Plague Inc., asked us who our who our favorite Doctor Who's are. Rodrigo, do you have a favorite Doctor Who? I do. Um, I like number ten, right, David Tennant. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that I like that, like just that level of wacky. I think there are doctors who are like a lot wackier. But also, I like he's kind of like a, a, a he approaches things with the innocence of a child, but clearly has a temper that's hanging out back there. Right. Um, it's interesting that uh, from what Matthew and and you have discussed about it, and from reading some of the stuff that he said about it, that his a big uh, um, a big influence for him was Celery and the Lapel Doctor. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. after you know David Tennant was my favorite Doctor, and since then I've gone back and watched other episodes and. That guy is like my second favorite doctor. <laughs> and it, I think it makes sense because their portrayals are similar in a way. Uh, maybe, uh, and I forget what the name of the actor is. What's the name of the actor who plays the... Uh, Peter Davison. Peter Davison. Peter Davison's yeah. uh, doctor is doesn't have necessarily that edge in that sense. Right. But I don't know. He just kind of has like this very authoritative basis that is different. He does have that same temper, though. There are yeah. A of, there's one sequence where... He goes off on the Daleks and starts just mowing down Daleks with a with a laser pistol to the point where his companions are like, "Oh my God, what are you doing?" Right. So there's a definite similarity. I can see that. Right. So so really, I, for me, it's the David Tennant Doctor. Sure. Uh, and you know, I think I subconsciously automatically saw that that influence, and thus uh, my second favorite would be would be the Peter, Peter Davidson. I, I think uh, Matthew and I have had this discussion before. Maybe we've all had this discussion mm-hmm. before on our favorite doctors. And usually it's the doctor that you were introduced to first is your favorite doctor. Right. It's kind of that Your uh, first lineup. doctor is usually your first doctor. But, you know, my first doctor was um, Tom Baker, number four. But my – and, you know, I always thought it was interesting. Here's this guy with the big teeth and the hat and the jelly mm-hmm. babies and the scarf. And, oh, that's really great. But I am really a fan of the third doctor, uh, John uh, Pertwee. Um, and yes, there's a number of reasons why I like him beyond the fact that he has no problem walking around in a velvet coat, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. with the, uh, with the, um, <laughs> the fluffy, uh, you know, the, uh, cuffs, yeah, with a big roughly shirt. And- yeah. Yeah. And, but you know, the interesting thing was this was the time period and, and I don't know if it was a budget reason or what was going on with the BBC at the time. I, I really have not investigated a lot, but he was locked to Earth. He could not use his TARDIS to go mm-hmm. really out into space. So mm-hmm. most of his adventures were in England, 
and doing stuff with uh, the military branch and, um, um, you know, doing the things there and driving around in Bessie, his car. Uh, I I just, I just like that. Spycraft kind of. Yeah, that's kind of what it was. And I really, I really like Pertwee as, as, as that, as the doctor, Mm -hmm. he would be my number one. Uh, my number two would be David Tennant. I really enjoyed getting back into Doctor Who with him. And then third would be the the Tom Baker. I mean, he is kind of that, um, well, he's the longest Doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I think that I, he's just kind of that, that pick that I think a lot of people would say. I think my wife would, would probably recognize him as, as the Doctor before mm-hmm. anyone else. But uh, Pertwee's still my, my favorite. Matthew? Nice. Well, you know... Technically, he's no longer the longest running doctor because the gap from eighth to ninth doctors was almost <laughs> 10 years long. Oh, yeah. So, so uh, technically, <laughs> Paul McGann's eighth doctor from the 1996 yeah. TV movie has the tenure over all the doctors because he was there basically from 1996 to 2005. Although Sylvester McCoy, the seventh doctor would have gone from 87 to 96, which is nine years, but not quite as long as nine years. That uh, never mind. Ah, uh, but, me, but Tom Baker is still doing the doctor in all of those audiobooks. So is Paul McGann. Oh, Paul is he? McGann okay. has done more audio. Oh, really? Interesting. Then the sixth doctor had episodes, <laughs> but, but then case. again, but then again, <laughs> Look, maybe this year, potential rumor, use this as rumor, mm-hmm. Tom Baker may come back as the doctor. Whoa. Some point this now, year. Here's the thing. The, the, the rumors go, Tom Baker has said, yes, I would come back. Peter Davison would say, has said, I would love to come back. Right. He's Colin already done Baker has said, Colin Baker has said, I'll come back, but there's no way in hell they're going to do it. Sylvester McCoy has said, I would love to come back. Paul McGann has said, I would love to come back. David Tennant has said, oh, please. Yeah. But Christopher Eccleston has said, no, thank you. I don't bathe in the same spring twice. So of the living doctors, of the eight living doctors, one is there. And six of the remaining seven have said they'd like to come back. I, but Colin Baker made the best point in that Colin Baker is 65 years old. He's a fat, bald man now. Well, have you seen Tom and Baker? Yeah. Tom Baker looks more like Tom Baker did in 1977 than Colin Baker does in 1977. Well, that's true. But this is not the point. When we talk about, Stephen is exactly right. I've found that a lot of times your favorite doctor is colored by when you started watching. I started watching with the fifth doctor, Peter Davison, and for 30 odd years he has been my favorite. But when my kid started actually paying attention to Doctor Who and we started going on Netflix, she kept saying, Puffy hair and ugly coat. And I would say, what do you mean? She's like, I want to watch Doctor Who. And I'm like, okay, we're watching Doctor Who. She said, nope, puffy hair and ugly coat. So we started watching the two seasons of The Sixth Doctor. And I started getting this appreciation for what Colin Baker was doing. Mm -hmm. And I started listening to the Big Finish audio plays. And right now, my favorite Doctor is a close tie between The Fifth Doctor and the sixth, who I will tell you in 1987, I hated with a passion because he wasn't my doctor. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but they, so, they, they so screwed the character and the show over by putting him in the way they put him in. Because the sixth doctor's first words essentially were, change, my dear, and not a moment too soon. 
basically shooting down the previous incarnation. And I'm like, that's my guy. He wears celery. Oh, fuck you, Colin Baker. But <laughs> <laughs> it's, the fifth and sixth Doctors, to me, are my very favorite. If I had to go backwards, I would say that at that point it becomes a tie between the second and the tenth, and then another tie between the seventh and the ninth, whom, uh, who share a lot of characteristics. And from that point back, it's probably a three-way tie between the eighth, the third, and the first. And then, of course, there's Tom Baker. Mm-hmm. Who, don't get me wrong, I love Tom Baker. He's iconic. He is my least favorite doctor simply because he is my least favorite doctor. And the first rule of Tautology Club, Stephen, is the first rule of Tautology Club. Yes, okay. Yes. Indeed. You know, uh, two things that you that you guys uh, brought up as, as style and for me um i i really like the like the the suit and sneakers look mm-hmm. that that tennis mm-hmm. got going on and the other thing you guys brought up is you know your first doctor is usually the one that you like but actually my first doctor was the first doctor of the new series uh oh, eccleson eccleson mm-hmm. and you know when yeah. that change happened i was like no yeah, yeah, yeah. no no yeah. i do not like it and and, and i i want to talk about this a little bit more too but uh, no go ahead um he you know i think for me the the moment where uh brand new david tennant doctor comes out and he's talking to the aliens and he's like no you can't kill the humans because from the day we arrive on the planet and blinking, step into this. No, wait, that's a Lion King. <laughs> you know, like like at yeah, that yeah, moment, yeah. I was like, okay, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like this guy. For me, it's the moment where he's he's fighting, and they chop off his hand, and it seems like he's dead. And then he's like, wait, wait, wait. And he grows the new hand, and he's yeah. like, and you know what? This here's a fighting hand. Yep. Um, and and that that's awesome. that that was that moment for me. And since then, I've introduced other people to Doctor Who. And I, I literally like sit with my knees almost together, and then put my elbows on my knees and just like sit them, <laughs> sit there with glee, watching them <laughs> basically go through that of being like, "Wait, a new guy is playing him, right?" What, I, what, but that's not the guy. That's not the guy. I did that with my family. I did that with some friends who are, who mm-hmm. uh, live here, and I did that with my girlfriend, and just kind of, I, I, that is something that is almost exclusive to Doctor Who that every Doctor Who fan has to go through is that moment when your doctor becomes someone else. Right. Um, and you have to adjust yeah. the new doctor. And it's it's kind of something that is pretty much completely exclusive to Doctor Who. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where the main character turns into a completely different main character. Right. Within, like, uh, diegetically. Yeah. You know, yeah. Not yeah. just, not Within just. the story. Not mm-hmm. not rebooted, not just you know given a different actor because of of problems. Although that is sometimes what happens, right. but you yeah. know it also it, it there's an in story reason for it. Mm-hmm. All right, a couple of questions. Oh, go they ahead. Had an old, they had an old man. I don't want to say old. But they had an elderly actor. He got to the point where the show's really successful. William Hartnell needs to retire. What are you going to do? And somebody went, new body. Right. Yep. It's, it's so it's such a simple, brilliant concept. And brilliance, yet, brilliance. This is the only place they've ever. And do you remember the moment where David Tennant is talking to Rose and he's like, I'm bad about uh, new teeth. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's weird. The new teeth moment is just kind of like, that must be so strange to wake up and be another person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow I could be Rodrigo and that would be freaky. Oh Yeah. 
Especially if your neck hurt like mine does right now. <laughs> Joe writes in with a couple of questions. He goes, one of you guys, I think it was Steven, reviewed some DC title on one of the podcasts. I forget which one, unfortunately. <laughs> and he mentioned Batman getting a power ring and struggling to get it off. I can't seem to find the issue in question. So you guys happen to remember which issue of which title it was in. I saw Batman getting the Sinestro Core ring, ring in a trade paperback, but don't remember him struggling. It just somehow wasn't mentioned again. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you, were you talking about the one where Batman becomes Green Lantern? There, there was an Elseworlds book where he does become Green Lantern, but he right. accepts that. Right. There was I, a, but in, in Sinestro Corps, he turns down the ring right. automatically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he doesn't. Yeah, he just has too many, too much willpower. Right. But in I want to say Green Lantern Volume Four, Number Eleven, Bruce Wayne is standing there, and a Green Lantern ring shows up. And it says, Bruce Wayne of Earth, you have been chosen, blah, blah, blah. And he turns into the Green Bat Lantern. Right. And then he's like, ah, and then he sends yeah. the ring away. Yes. And that's how we knew that something was wrong. I right. want to say Bat, that's Green Lantern, Volume 4, Number 11. Um, I don't know what the cover looks like right off the top of my head, but I'll bet you it's a, a glamour shot of Hal Jordan flying through space. Um. Let's see, number four, 11. Volume four, number 11. Yeah, this uh, appearing in this issue. It has Cyborg Superman appearing in it. It doesn't list. Cyborg Superman. doesn't list Batman in it. But, you know, it is something like that where Batman is just like, get this off of me. And he struggles and sends the ring away. There was another one, too, where. Didn't he do something similar when he was offered a Legion flight ring when he did that jump in time to the... Oh, oh, oh that I don't know. Okay. I don't know for sure. But yeah, I distinctly remember Batman fighting off the ring or rejecting the ring and um Yeah, that was on. definitely... Uh, actually, it may be Green Lantern Volume 4, number 9. I think that's the one. Yeah, because the alternate cover actually has uh, Bruce Wayne in a bat suit. And they made an action figure of that. So what you're looking for, um, if you go to Gatekeeper Hobbies, Huntoon and Gage, Topeka, mm -hmm. you walk four over. It's on the top row, third in of the sixth rows. It's about halfway back. It's going to be behind the tab that says Green Lantern, Volume 4. Tell Chris I said hi. There you go. Uh, question number two. Does Matthew dislike the, the Meltzer-Bennis run of Justice League because Batman beat up his beloved Legion's Karate <laughs> Kid? Well... Let's take a moment here. First, Matthew dislikes the Meltzer-Bennis run of Justice League for four reasons. Reason one, it is written incomprehensibly. Reason two, uh, uh, Ed Bennis fans, I apologize for the poorly drawn. With the exception of Vixen's cleavage, there is, there is nothing in that book that I want to look at. It is, the storytelling is unclear. It focuses way too much on uh, the bodies of the female characters. Everybody has the exact same face. Third, it doesn't make sense in timeline ways. And fourth, and most importantly, it is the run that devalued the Justice League to the point where they rebooted in 2011. One of the major reasons why they had to do a DC reboot was because the Justice League title had become an absolute joke. And the reason that happened was because of the, Belt, the Meltzer Bennis run that launched it. Now, let's go back to the point where Batman beat up Karate Kid. What we are saying awesome. here is that Batman, Woo! That's what you really want to say, fully Matthew. A trained 30-year-old Batman beat up a 16-year-old boy 
who had been drugged, brainwashed, and sent back in time. Yay, Batman. So, no, I don't dislike the Meltzer Bennis run just because Batman <laughs> beat up Karate Kid. <laughs> Number three, I recently read the Red Lantern Corps trade paperback issues one through seven in the New 52 run and didn't enjoy it much. Welcome to the club. However, the basic concept of the Lanterns <laughs> taking revenge was interesting and brought up an interesting idea. What if they had the Spectre join the Red Lantern Corps? Do you think it's likely? Um, probably not likely because I don't think we've seen the Spectre in the New 52, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Is anything like what he was at the end of the old school DCU? Yeah, boy. You don't I want don't him being a... It... He's got the power of God. Mm-hmm. So a Red Lantern yeah. ring I don't think is going to be of any additional benefit. And we're not talking just, you know, oh, a God. We're not talking like Thor Old Testament God. Old Testament, wrath of God kind what, of stuff. What was Don't the issue? Have- what yeah, was the issue awesome. where they talk about the specter was the one that unleashed the flood that caught, you know, that you hear in the Noah's tale? Do you remember that what? That is back during John Ostrander's run of the 1990s. I think it's the 96 version of Spectre when Ostrander turns him into just flat out, woo. Mm-hmm. avenging angel he was literally not just like in in theoretically he was literally one of the avenging angels of biblical times yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's pretty it's uh, the specter is pretty badass and really you know when you get into here's somebody with the power of god uh yeah. it, it becomes pretty pretty deep and i think that personally if, if we're continuing on with this green lantern discussion uh when hal jordan became the specter I didn't think that it, was nearly oh, as interesting yeah. as when um, uh, Crispus Allen became the specter and had to deal with unleashing righteous Old Testament anger, but still trying to yeah. rein it in. The problem with Hal was it made the specter uh, basically a pawn in the greater game of Hal Jordan's life. Right. I mean, the specter as a character conceptually is kind of silly because if you look at him, He's bone white wearing uh, pixie boots, trunks, a button-down collar cape, and a hood. I mean, if he was walking in a pride parade tomorrow, everybody would go, oh, look, that's adorable. The costume itself, the concept, the look of the character is iconic for a completely different reason than what he actually represents. Right. I think the big complaint that people always had for me with Crispin, Crispus Attucks, was that Crispus, Crispus Allen. Christmas Addicts was the first man killed in the Revolutionary War or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, In any case, Christmas Allen made the Spectre look quote unquote ridiculous because he had the goatee. Yeah. And I'm like, I love the Spectre as much as the next man, but the Spectre looks ridiculous without the goatee. Well, he looked ridiculous with the Green Lantern symbol on his chest. Very true. I think that having the Spectre join the Red Lantern Corps is unlikely because. Having the Spectre join the Green Lantern Corps would be like having Triple H join the Nexus. Either Triple H has taken a step down, or the Nexus is being jumped up to a level that they're just not ready for yet. Let me put that in Steven terms. Having the Spectre join the Red Lantern Corps is like having Bruce Batman, Wayne. Yeah, Batman step down and join the Justice League or yeah. something like that. It's just so beneath him. Like having Bruce Wayne as agent of Shield. Yeah, yeah, that actually would be pretty cool, though. Bruce didn't didn't they do that in the Stanley Malcolm stuff? Um, So uh, Joe says, would it? Would you like the Spectre in the Red Lantern Corps? No, 
Ready Pretty to go? clear I said no. So. Um, I think... Uh, the, the short answer, no. Okay. Uh, long answer, I've, since the beginning, thought that the rainbow-colored corpse were as core were a course were a stupid idea yeah, yeah. and i still think they're stupid okay so no i wouldn't or i guess rather i don't care yeah uh joe says it's probably the only thing that would excite me enough to check out the title again since i love the specter well you know there's a go and check out the showcase edition of the specter if it, i mean yes. you probably already have it the showcase edition of the specter oh, takes you yeah. back to the the 1970s um, you know, the, the, the creepy Michael vengeance wrath of the yeah, specter. Yeah. yeah. And then, oh, uh, check out, and I forget which, um, DVD it's on, but one of the animated shorts, and it maybe you could get it on the, uh, uh, return of, um, black Adam, uh, that collection. Cause I think they collected all the yeah, shorts on I that as well. You really ought to check out the, um, specter animated short that, that Warner brothers home entertainment did. Because it is brilliant. It is done perfectly in the style of a 1970s, you know, spooky uh, horror film. And it, it's it's wonderful. I could sit down and watch that once a week yeah. and never get tired of, of that one. So go check that out. Yeah, just adventure, the Adventure Comics run drawn by Jim Aparo yeah, yeah. is some of the most amazing looking comics I've ever read. And I've, I, I've, I've read my weight in comics and my weight is pretty huge. And then finally, this one's a little bit harder, uh, also from Joe. I'm looking for a good story that's a slice-of-life, second-rung superhero, like like, uh, what Spider-Girl family values could have been if it had not been sucked into the cliché of, my parents must die, and the main Marvel storyline crushing her day-to-day life. A story about a superhero wannabe, second-stringer getting a job at a coffee shop, dealing with odd neighbors, friends, a few romantic entanglements in the style of the questionable content webcomic, uh, the street level crime fighter would be awesome. Likewise, mystery men cross with Stephanie Brown, spoiler or squirrel girl. Any suggestions? My suggestion was go back and read Stephanie Brown in her as, as Batgirl or go back and read the uh, Cassandra Kane as Batgirl. Cause there was a time when they were trying to transition. And I mean, they, as in the fictional characters, uh, Oracle and Batman and Robin and Stephanie were trying to transition her from being a mindless mute killer into someone that could function in society. And mm. I enjoyed and it. My wife really enjoyed it. Yeah. My wife really enjoyed it. And she doesn't read comics, but she was into Batgirl for the oh, longest I, time. I, I love the Cassandra Kane. Yeah. Batgirl. I love that too. And I, I was really sad. Like I was like, Oh, this is really interesting. And I was really sad when they basically went, Oh, we need this character to be functional. Yeah, Here's yeah. a psychic yeah, yeah. to change her up. And I was like, done. Yeah. 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 But Oh yeah. The, the Cassandra Kane stuff. And even the the Stephanie Brown stuff, is still really good. I, I really enjoy her as, uh, you know, doing the whole transition when she was getting hooked up with Batman as a supporting character. And then the whole fake death, Batman uh, Inc. Well, not the Batman Inc stuff. I, not the Batman Inc stuff. I'm talking oh, about, you mean back when she was back, Robin? Yes. Before Robin, as she was still spoiler and doing stuff with Robin, Ugh. transitioning into the role of Robin and then into, uh, the Batgirl role. But she was only Robin for like six issues. Yeah, about a year in story time. I would say based on your description, I have a few recommendations. Um, the Judd Winnick run on Green Lantern. Strangely enough, the Kyle Rayner Green Lantern sounds like what yeah. you're discussing. I would recommend Kurt Busick's Astro City. and Astro City, exactly. Mm-hmm. I would recommend a book by uh, Troy Hickman from Image about four or five years ago called Common Grounds. 
yeah. which is basically the story of superheroes and supervillains coming to a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. This particular coffee shop is, is, uh, is hallowed ground. You don't fight at common grounds. You can come in. And then I would also recommend, uh, it was written by Seth Green, oddly enough, Freshman, which is also yeah. an image book. We've read that. Freshman, uh, Freshman was good. Yeah, we've reviewed that on the site. And you can go check that out. It's, it's been ages since we reviewed that. Um, you know, I actually been out. It's probably been eight years since they put out an issue of that. Yeah. Uh, slice of life type stuff. Um, you know, you might want to check out that first omnibus or the first collected hardback of invincible, because a lot of that is Mark yeah. going through his everyday life, trying to cope as being a superhero. Yeah. And for the, and the most part of that first arc until he and his dad get into it, he is a second string hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first 55 issues of Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, I think, are uh, in the black and white. What do they call those? Essential Marvels? Yeah. Or, yeah uh, the, uh, master uh, master editions or whatever it is. I think it is Essential. Oh, Essential Marvels? Marvels? Yeah, like Essential Spider-Man oh, is what okay. it would be called. Right. Okay. Essential Spider-Man Volume 1 and 2 are, are almost exactly what you're discussing, at least if, if I'm understanding it. Because, you know, Invincible started out as basically a Spider-Man riff. I got two uh, potential things that you might be into. One is the uh, look for the, um, and now I've totally lost it, New Warriors. Uh, like the, the, the volume with the really cartoony art, that's them trying to get their stupid reality show off the ground before everything goes really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is... It's New Warriors Volume 3. Right, and it's just them dealing with stuff like flat tires and stuff while they're also trying to have a reality show while they're also trying to fight crime. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is one that I think fits into this. I've only seen a few issues, but it seems to. And that's Young Heroes in Love, which yeah, is yeah. also kind of a limited run. Yes. Um, from, a DC? from DC. Yeah. Yep. yeah. It's got the icicle in it, right? Uh, let's see. Uh, off-ramp, Monster Girl, Bonfire, Thunderhead, Hard Drive, Frostbite. Yeah, Frostbite. That's what And uh-huh. Zip Kid. Zip yeah. Kid and Junior. Don't forget Junior. Right, I remember right. that. That was a that was an interest. It was almost a it is almost a romance book. Is what a I lot think, of it is. I think that's what it is. It's well, it's yeah. it's a book about superhero relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've 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 flipped through enough issues of it that I know what goes on. But mm-hmm. I mean, we should can we like put that in the yeah, queue yeah, we for can the put trade the, paperback because I need to pile. track it down because I've been meaning to sit down and read it and read yeah. that that uh, yeah, whole really thing again. Amazing. And uh, the, uh, finally, what about uh, what's the what's the one with that uh, the the kids in the West Coast? Oh, Runaways. Runaways might be another one mm-hmm. that you might want to check out too. We thoroughly enjoyed it. the Runa- first Runaways the first first volume. volume yes, kind of uh, mythology behind it. X Files almost mythology, but yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. Let's take a uh, another listen to one of our callers, and then we'll come back in just a minute. Hello there, gentlemen. This is Slappy. Uh, from the forums, and I have a question that I'm not certain who could answer. For the past couple of weeks and podcasts, you have had Rob uh, sitting in with you. So it's been Rob Rodriguez. So that cut out. Gotta love Skype. Yeah. So in regards to, I don't know what his comment was going to be about Rob, but yeah, Rob's not here. He was here for a specific amount of time, and then we're going to try to rotate some other people in if we see fit. But hopefully you like that 
change up to the uh, Major Spoilers uh, podcast. Let us know. Try to keep it comments. fresh. It's, keep it fresh. Yeah, it, it made for a different. He, he's not dynamic. the. He's not a. He's not the cousin Oliver. Don't worry. We haven't jumped the shark or, or right. thrown the football at uh, Jan's face too oh, often. Oh, please, but. we jumped the shark with Jenna Jameson, <laughs> Shadowhunter, in issue number three. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. But then we brought it back because I came in as the Urkel. Yeah, there you did. You know, Family Matters yeah, uh, is the show's no longer about Carl Winslow. It's all about me. Yeah, at this point, it's all about Matthew and his robot version of himself and his clone version of himself. Yeah, because uh, Matthew, as as people want, as people know uh, who follow us on Twitter, why we are delayed. It's because Matthew sat there and go, did I do that? Yeah, that was that was a total Urkel <laughs> moment just now. That is kind of true. <laughs> you said you wanted to be Urkel? You're Urkel. Shut uh, up, Next, man. I need a big uh, flat top and some giant Coke glasses. Uh, forget who wrote this in. Wanted to share with you and the rest of the MS crew that the value provided for Major Spoilers has grown where I simply had to reward it with a recurring donation. My appreciation started when a friend recommended Critical Hit as a good place to get a D&D fix. Loved it from the start, and on my second full listen-through. I, you know, to break right there, I'm just amazed at the people that are like, I'm on my sixth listen-through, I'm on my eighth listen-through, and I'm like, wow, that's great. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad people uh, get a kick out of Critical Hit, and I hope people continue to listen to uh, Critical Hit for a long time to come. I know that we're constantly getting new people to, to listen to that show because people are asking comments we're asking questions mm-hmm. about things that, oh, we answered that last year. Haven't you guys heard that? You know, yeah. it's like, oh, you're only on episode 10. We have a, we answered that in episode, you know, 88. Right. Keep listening, dear reader. Uh, so it's just amazing the how many people are still listening to Critical Hit. And we, we love every single one of you. Um, then this person goes on and says, then I was pulled into the Major Spoilers podcast as well as the Top 5 and now the Munchkin podcast. Beyond the literal calendar days of entertainment value... Uh, I have I have encountered these benefits from uh, being part of the major spoilers experience. Number one, evolve from someone who is a D&D uh, adjacent curious person, meaning I liked reading the books and becoming a regular player. And he's now a dungeon master. Several other of my friends have now become actual players as well. And I drag them through my own campaign, which I hugely enjoy running. That's awesome. I mean, that's kind of the nice. point, uh, you know, in, in the first big arc of major spoilers, that's what we did. Yeah. Uh, where I ended up. DMing for the first time. So mm-hmm. we've gone through that. Uh, number two, I've become much more educated in various pop culture and comic book lore. Back in the nineties, did, uh, back in the nineties, did a Rodrigo and enjoyed some X-Men in the nineties, but fell out of comics completely was pulled back in starting with atomic robo. Yay. Uh, which from there has led to sampling other creators and publishers. Thank you for the awesome regular content. This, there really isn't a competitor out there for you guys. You definitely, uh, you're defining a multi-genre uh, entertainment empire. Please keep up the good work. May you live long and prosper via abundant recurring donations. Well, thank you. And I totally didn't paste in who this came from. So I know you're out there listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. And thank you for being and a donor. a long-distance dedication. Uh, we really appreciate the donations. Uh, they do help out quite a bit. Uh, it's a way that we use to help fund part of Major Spoilers and to fund the people that uh, write for Major Spoilers. And uh, we hope that you can continue to do that. Or if you can't do that, but you like to buy things anyway, Amazon.com is a place where a lot of people buy stuff from. Mm-hmm. Majorspoilers.com is the website. Click on the Amazon.com link. Buy your stuff as usual. We just get a little bit off the top, a small percentage off the top. But, you know, if we have 10,000 of you who are mm-hmm. listening to this particular episode, go out and buy your monthly stuff that you normally buy from Amazon through our link. Well, that's enough to pay all of our bills and to provide a little folding money so that Matthew can go get uh, 
get a new computer hopefully a, someday. A new laptop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So awesome. Um, okay. So last question from Dan tonight or today, depending on when you're listening. Haven't done this in a long time. Hello, Hello future people. Greetings, major spoilers crew. I was wondering what twist each of you have always wanted to see on specific superheroes and really any kind of pop culture icon. Ever since DC's New 52, I've wanted to see them bring in Space Ghost with a four-issue mini, depicting him trying to be a hero, failing and deciding he can do more good, giving the world the truth. Teamed with Brack and Zorak broadcasted from the Justice League satellite in space, completely free, and the only talk show that gives the superhero side of things, Space Ghost Coast to Coast. What ideas have you fine fellows wanted to implement on superheroes? Matthew? For me, it's it's difficult to say because there are so many different takes on the on the major heroes. I mean, even even the second tier guys, they've done tons of different things with. But I've always kind of wanted to see more amalgam, as horrible as mm. that may mm-hmm. sound. Oh no! Because Absolutely. I liked I liked yeah I liked the idea of that that merged universe. And I felt like the problem that they had was not that the concept didn't work, but that the concept worked too well. So there were too many things to do with it. And you get to a point where it sometimes it felt like you saw two characters who were actually merged out of the same characters. Right. Well, I mean, that was the case, yeah. wasn't it? Cause I mean, there were like, there were a couple of different, they were like the X Avengers, like the X-Men, right. the X X-Men, like the JLX. And yeah. then, like the the yeah the X Patrol, which was like this X Men crew, or like X Force yeah. plus Doom Patrol, and like some of them ended up being like the same characters, weren't right, they? Right, right, yeah. yeah, pretty much. I would say if you if I had to pick one thing that I would like to see them do, this has actually been done, but I would like to see them take Superman, right? So you got oh, and, oh, I know, and not make him fly. Brilliant idea. Grant Morrison, he's a get man. On no, 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 he's <laughs> he's a man from another planet, right? Yes. And he comes to Earth. Yes. And he's he's a nice guy mm-hmm. in his mid thirties mm-hmm. who has Lois Lane, who is his his rival slash lady friend. And he's you know he's not like a douchebag or an alien jerk. You know you could have him played like that. Uh, you know who'd be great is that one guy who played the Terryton twin from The Gone with the Wind with the big square jaw. You do it black and white. Is what you could do, and you could have it actually be fun, Superman, where he's not a douchebag, and where good triumphs over evil. And maybe you could have a guy yelling, "Don't call me chief," and then you could set it in the 1950s. If I haven't beaten this particular metaphor to death already, but you know, I'd like to see them go back to that George Reeves motif and fly Superman as a grown-up, and not worry about you know, uh, well, he has to be 26 and relatable. He has to be young and have problems. Why? He's frickin' Superman. Have him be a grown-up in a suit. I would like to see them do a retro take, even if you just did it as like a, you do it as an Elseworlds, I don't care. A retro take on Superman with truth, justice, the American way, and not, you know, morphing armor duds and and a D-bag motif. But that's just me. You know, uh, there's a number of things that you could do, as long as it's got Batman in it, I think it'd be all right. No, uh... I, you know, so many people. <laughs> You'd have Batman beat up more innocent children. <laughs> there you go. You you see so many people make fun of, of Aquaman, mm-hmm. right? And then in this new 52, I think they've kind of captured him as kind of a, actually an interesting character. Sure, sure. I would love, love, love. And they kind of already have done this. I would love for DC to do something serious. Uh, 
I don't want to say respectful, but serious and, and not as a laugh, as a joke with Wendy Marvin and the one and the uh, Wonder Twins. Mm. You know, we've already seen Wendy and Marvin in the just pre 52 where they're the kids of the calculator uh, who get murdered. Yeah, who get murdered horribly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that whole thing that people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe you did that. Uh, I would like to see them be Wendy and Marvin, especially be really good back up like like they kind of were JLA watchtower tech support people mm-hmm. that get to do some cool things. And I would love to see uh, Zan and Jaina come back and be s- treated somewhat seriously and respectfully instead of the joke that they have become over the, over the years. Mm-hmm. I think that, yeah. I think it could be done. I, you know, honestly, I think it could be done. So Rodrigo, what about you? I've, uh, I've got a lot of ideas. Um, I think I'd like to see a take a, on the Avengers that was international, mm-hmm. you know, cause you have Captain America, right. And he and can Captain be, the, Britain. and he can be the American guy. Yeah. I would say move Tony Stark to squarely to Europe, make him like a Richard Branson type guy or like a like an Italian guy, yeah, and yeah. have all of his armors be based on like Corvettes and stuff. Mm. Um, or or make him Japanese because that's where giant robots come from anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. So yeah. Um, make it like Tony in quotation marks, and says you know his first name is like Tanaka, or I guess that would be his last name, but whatever. Right. Um, you know. Black Widow is already Russian. Actually, play her as Russian. Yeah, yeah. You know, just just you can you can essentially expand the you know guess guess what Thor is a Norse god. Have him actually be you know have like embrace yeah have him actually embrace that culture I and demand some talk about fisk. Yeah, you know you can do stuff like that and have the Avengers actually be an international team uh, because it's not happening with the JLA, you guys. Right. Um, they try and it just doesn't work. Well, we've got issue 12 comes out this week or came out this week and that's the last issue of JLI. Well, there you go. So, um, another thing that I would like to see does involve Batman, uh, which automatically gets Steven's interest. Oh, what Batman? I, I, I want to see. How do I fund this? Kickstarter? Yes. <laughs> uh, I am declaring now my Kickstarter campaign, which is Batman Rodrigo style, which is basically, um, if you, <laughs> Think about if you've read Bone. Yes, if you've read Bone, uh, think about the rat creatures yeah, yeah. and just paint that all in black. Yeah, that's what my Batman looks like. Like okay. he's got giant yeah, yeah. saucer eyes yeah, yeah. and these ears that like stick straight up, but also move around depending on what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And you can see like his teeth. I'm trying to and think, it's kind of almost like the Max, almost to a point. Kind of, kind of have him be like a cackling the shadow type guy when he's uh, haranguing villains. You know, just kind of like, but but be like this very creepy, like crawling on on things, like never standing fully straight kind of character. Yeah, yeah. that'd be interesting. Um, you know, uh, he, he wouldn't necessarily have that bouncy playfulness of Spider-Man, not quite to that extent, you know, mm-hmm. but have Batman be scary, not because he's going to punch you so hard that your punch is going to punch your face. Um, but because as like, you actually don't know if he's human, if he's like an right, actual right, right, person right, or, right. you know, because he's actually a s- spooky creature of the night. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's what I would do with Batman. If DC made the horrible mistake of handing him to me. <laughs> um, man, I just, uh, got off on a tangent and then I totally lost it while you were describing this awesome mm-hmm. Batman. Wouldn't you take. read that? I would, I would. I would certainly read the first issue. I would, I would call it, uh... 
Batman, grit Bat hyphen and, man. Yes, upside down question mark. Like the Batman, grit and gargoyles. There you go. Oh man, I wish I could think. Cause it was an interesting topic, uh, kind of related to what you were talking about. Shoot. Maybe it'll come back to me as uh, Matthew answers this question. My local comic shop does not board all their books, but they do bag them. They board all their back mm -hmm. issues, then use super sticky t tape to seal the bag, which does kind of boggle <gasps> oh. my mind. But my question is, <laughs> would it be in poor taste to ask them to board my titles getting pulled each week? No, I don't think it would be in poor taste, but I think that you're going to have to accept that, generally speaking... But they're going to have to charge you for the board, and they're yeah. probably going to charge you more for the board twenty five cents than or something. you would pay to just buy a hundred boards because a hundred boards is like nine dollars. Yeah, and I th I think if you have them board your your stuff for you, you're probably going to end up doing you know a little most, bit. Most places that I've seen that do more. that want to charge like twenty five cents to bag and board yeah. it for you, and so if you're yeah, looking at 100, a hundred, that's twenty five bucks. You can get the Mylar bag and um, Mylar bag and boards yourself for fifteen bucks. Yep. Yeah. And I know it's a and, and I would say it's a hassle to do it yourself. I hate doing it, which I haven't done in about two years. No, it's not a hassle. It's it's actually for me. It's the it's the Zen calming thing that I do. That mechanical process, that board and the bag and the seal and the and the glaven. That's the thing that, that keeps me from, you know, basically smacking people over the head with hammers. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can see how it could be relaxing. Problem, I wish I had the, the time to do it. That's my problem. Tape. The sticky tape freaks me out because if you have super sticky, aggressive tape on the bag, it is really easy to snag the book. Anytime sure when books come into the store, I literally cut. I don't un. Yeah, I do that too. I cut the tape slice the tape open and then if i reuse those bags for you know the 50 cent bin which i often do actually um i'll leave that slice tape on there and i'll just reseal them with the heat sealer because sticky tape is incredibly difficult now it would not be in poor taste to ask them but you do have to understand that the answer may be no we can't or won't do that and if they do do it it's probably going to cost you more in the long run but you know, if it's worth it, definitely I would at least inquire about it and ask if it's something that they can do because there's a fine line. You, you want to make sure that you're a customer who comes in and buys your stuff on a regular basis, who is, you know, pleasant and not a pain in the neck. If you are a pain in the neck customer, if you're the guy who comes in and says, I'm not going to buy this, it's got a dent in it, and you ordered it and the store paid for it, that's one thing. But I don't believe that you have any problem asking so long as you expect that they can say no and, you know. And that they'll likely just charge you for it. Yeah, yeah. You said it had a dent right. in it. And I was like, oh, a Batman title? Yeah. <laughs> yes, Stephen. Everything you say, oh, a Batman oh, title? I know what I was thinking. We All right. Okay. You, they come back to you. You're like, Batman. <laughs> All right. So here's, you, you ever get these moments where it's like you have this this moment of, oh, my goodness. And then you I was sit sitting here literally watching that idea 
float away. float away out of my grasp. I'm like, no, wait, come back. And I was so focused on trying to get the idea back that I couldn't get it back. I, I was goofing around, and this is something to, to just consider. I was goofing around with my iPhone today, and I set it up standing up, and I've got a black iPhone, and it's in a black um, case for recharging, uh, mm-hmm. you know, one of those uh, conductive rechargers. Right, right. And I'm sitting there standing it up on its end, and I'm like, you know, in 2001, the Space Odyssey, the monolith is not there – you know, it's it's waiting for knowledge to happen, waiting for society to reach to that point where they are able to have meaningful content contact right. with people from outer space. But in the beginning of uh, 2001, in the movie, there's the implication that the monolith kicks off, kicks off and gave knowledge to mm-hmm. the society. And I'm sitting there looking at this saying, my God. My iPad, my iPhone sitting here mm-hmm. looking like a little black monolith mm-hmm. contains all the information that I could ever need to access. It's full of stars and porn. Uh, sure. But is that a weird connection to make that no, here we have this little black monolith sitting sitting in our pockets, whether it be an Android and our iPhone or whatever it may be? That is this knowledge bringer to us. I I don't think it's a weird connection to make because that's kind of the connection that the movie was making. It's kind of like knowledge as advancement and also to a certain degree knowledge as trouble. Mm -hmm. And certainly you can see the trouble that people get themselves into on the Internet. Right. The trouble that people get from misinformation on the Internet. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, in the same way that we bash each other with bone clubs, Mm -hmm. we also, you know, gain meaningful relationships through the internet as well. So I, I see, I see our iPhones or iPads, whatever these devices are. I see these as our modern day monoliths. Mm-hmm. Now, granted we're 2012 and not 2010. Right. But uh, I think, wasn't there a 2012? There the, was a 2001, 2010, 2010 yeah, 2020. Yeah. 61. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the creepy thing in 2061 or whatever it was, was that, uh, the main character Roy was still alive and kicking mm-hmm. because of his contact with right. the monolith in 2010. So I think it's interesting. I think it's fascinating, you know, just how these guys kind of maybe predicted this stuff or, or whatever, kind mm-hmm. of foresaw some of these things or, you know, or and, that we read things into it too. And, 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 you know, a square is a very basic shape. Well, it is, but so. I mean, you know, just sitting here, this black, I was sitting on my desk and it just popped in my mind. Here's this black shiny monolith. I need a little monkey that I can set in front of it and take a picture and yeah. and say, boom, there you go. Um, so that's interesting kind of things to kind of... You should see if there's a The Gibbon Mini Mate. Oh, there you then, go. And then by that. There you go. Or like a Moon Boy. Yeah, there you go. All right, everybody. That wraps it up for this issue of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you so much for everyone who's been writing to us. If you have a question or a comment, you can send it to podcast at majorspoilers.com. If you would like to call and leave a number now that we're getting our technology back in order after the... Uh, a uh, last uh, operating system hiccup. You can give us a call on our Skype line. Matthew, that number is? 785-727-1939. The major spoilers. I talk in the background. If you hear the jokes, they're funny. Hotline. So uh, coming up, don't forget, we've got uh, more critical hit episodes. We've got top five episodes. And of course, we've got uh, Munchkin Land coming up in another month. But uh, do check those out. And uh, keep listening to major spoilers and everything that we uh, bring. And if you think this, uh, however long we've been going here, 45 minutes, hour, whatever it's been, if you think this is worth your time, consider making a donation because it really helps. And uh, next time, Spider-Man.
The Spidermans. The Spidermans. Why? <laughs> because we like a good evening dinner with the Spidermans, and we know that you do too. Good, good people. They are, and we will yeah. talk with you soon. If you have any Ooh, questions, matzo. comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler. If I'm Stark Raven, it's like a man of iron. I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. But would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fine be in the Middle East with a King Sun throwing soldier. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler, yeah, 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 what a major spoiler, whoa, 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 what a major spoiler. Major Spoilers is copyright 2012. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view an endless field of wildflowers or a sunset that needs no filter make this a summer to share and save with a capable kia suv or powerful sedan see your local kia dealer or visit kia.com to learn more kia movement that inspires call 800-334 kia for details always drive safely sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only quantities are limited must take delivery by 7824